following episode arises from a genuine inquiry from a friend of a friend to a friend about why European Australians uh, work so hard at the pointless exercise, you know, pointless to his mind, of differentiating themselves culturally um, from America, European Americans, um, yeah, and specifically in this case, when it comes to spelling of words, English words. Yeah. He said, from where I sit, um, who cares? <laughs> you know, if civilization is with an S or a Z, it's civilization, you know. Um, I don't care whether you use an S or a Z. You know, don't pull me up for using a Z. You know, I'm an African-Australian. Don't tell me to use an S. I'll use a Z if you want. If I want. It's not, a, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And even you Australians, are, you know, you're not that consistent about that anyway. And same goes with colour and colour, you know, and practice and practice in different contexts. This is all splitting hairs to a ridiculous level um, but you forget about, you know, the spelling is just a, a way to express a word. I'll spell it any way I want. You know, don't, don't tell me I'm spelling it wrong. Who cares? You know, and this is what he's getting at because, you know, he's, um, well, you know, he doesn't care, you know. And, um, and, you know, and, and, and that goes further than spelling. That goes to all sorts of areas, you know of um, whether or not European Australians are really the same thing as European Americans. Yeah. And yet, we do, you know, and yet I'm thinking, yeah, and yet I am still resistant to um, the American way of thinking. You know, when it comes to European Americans, I'm resistant to um, European Americans and the way they think, their holy thoughts you know, uh, and their comedy, and their comedy most of the time too, you know. Um, uh, anyway, and so many other things, you know, just the way they think, you know. You know I, I, for example, I wouldn't even want, I don't even want to become a republic, and, and this is for one reason only, because, you know, I would hate it if we accidentally um, blundered into a style of republic that resembled America's, you know, because their whole political system is an absolute mess. You know, they've got this um, political party called the Democrats, you know, um, which it seems like a, a bizarre idea to me. Um, and they've got this idea of a Republican Party too, which equally seems like a bizarre idea to me. And it's got, they've got this idea of a president you know, who can declare war, a single person, you know, um, can declare war. All this seems ridiculous, you know, to me. Um, we, we don't have any, any, you know, we don't have a party in Australia um, that resembles the Republican Party in America, and nor um, do we have a party um, that resembles the Democrat Party in America. And all this sort of thing, you know. Not case in point, you know. Our Liberal Party leans to the right, you know. 
and, and, and that would not compute to an American. Yeah. And this sort of thing, you know. Anyway, liberal, you know, that means, you know, freedom for the people, you know. Uh, okay, and, um, all right, now, um, you know, from, from a, from a uh, divine right style uh, mono, you know, monarchy, yeah, that sort of thing, you know, we haven't got that. We haven't got a divine right monarchy. Well, we've got a Governor-General who works for us, you know, and the Governor-General reports to a Queen who has got no power over us, and she hasn't even got any power over the British people, really, you know. She works for them, you know, she doesn't work for God. <laughs> anyway, all of that, you know. And, and even the definition of liberal, then, in Australia, you know, we are very keen to um, desperately hold on to our definition of the word liberal, which means, you know, uh, freedom for the people, you know, via whatever you think is the, the thing that will get you there, you know, which could be left or could be right, you know. Whereas in America, their idea of liberal has, you know, altered over the last hundred years from something that was very similar to ours a hundred years ago. Their idea of the word liberal was very similar to ours a hundred years ago. But now their idea of liberal has morphed from this idea. And this is all in the dictionaries, you see. We're talking language here. This is a, this episode's arguing about, arguing about whether we should spell colour with an O-U-R or an O-R, the splitting hairs thing, you know. But it's also about the definition of words, you know, the definition of a word like liberal, you know, like America and Australia were on the same page a hundred years ago where, you know, a left-leaning party or a right-leaning party um, can be more liberal than the other. It depends which one is getting you closer to freedom for the people and further away from a divine right monarchy like, you know, maybe Donald Trump, you know, which one, you know, whereas in an American dictionary, the word liberal, that has been stolen um, by the Democrats, you know, one, one party, whereas it's still owned by both parties in Australia, the word liberal, you know, why are we so keen in our dictionaries to hold on to our word liberal um, our small L liberal, even our small L liberal can mean, can swing both ways. But in America, small L liberal has to swing to the left, you know. Why are we so keen? Why don't we just give in and adopt America's idea of the word liberal? You know, we might argue because their one is polluted. Their idea of the word is polluted. It's been stolen by the left. Um, but the bad guy in that um, sort of transaction has been the, you know, the conservative side of politics in America, which conceded the word liberal to the left. They conceded it. They gave it to them. I still don't get that. You know, why didn't the Republican Party say, hey, you don't get to use the word liberal. We are the liberals. And, you know, have that argument forever, like we do in Australia. Both our Labour Party and our Liberal Party both think they are liberal. You know, that sort of thing, you know. Anyway, now, if this comes up, you know, if he uses, if, if that African-Australian, um, you know, spends too much time on um, social media talking only to Americans, he's likely to come at us and say, listen, you know, um, if you vote liberal, you're not a liberal. <laughs> Which sounds bizarre, but he, he might come at us and say that, you know, because our Liberal Party leans to the right. And he says, if you vote liberal, with a capital L, you know, then you're not liberal with a small L. And we'll say, that's ridiculous, you know. You say, it's not ridiculous, because I've been on YouTube 
talking to Americans for the last six months, and I'm being absolutely correct, why are you so desperate to hold on to your word liberal? Now, he might say that. I'll say, well, we are. You know, we differentiate ourselves from America in that way. That's what we do. And he says, you are splitting hairs. In fact, you're being pedantic to, to an annoying level. Just give up, you know, give in. Um, you know, if I say you're not a liberal, if you vote liberal, you know, don't take me to task. You're having, you're being petty. You know, he might say that. You're being ridiculous. And he'll say, and, and by the way, you know, you're being ridiculous if you insist on um, other more minor things in resisting American culture, European-American culture. You European Australians are being ridiculous resisting European-American culture where, when, from my perspective, you are splitting hairs, you know. Oh, you want to, sp- you want to spell practice with an S, you know. Yeah. If you're using it as a verb, yeah, but you're happy with practice with a C if you're using it as a noun. Come on, you're wasting my time. I'm just going to spell it with a C all the time because you are absolutely ridiculous, he might say, you know. And to that, in the episode coming up, I, I kind of saw where he was coming from. You know, at least on the spelling thing. I, I, I don't concede the word liberal at all to the left, you know. I don't concede it to the right either. You know, because I'm left and right. I'm not sitting on the fence, I'm both. You know, I'm, over, I'm way over there and I'm way over there. Yeah, that's a whole other episode. Anyway, um, so um, so that was interesting, you know. And I was, in the episode that's coming up, which is pre-recorded, um, I uh, concede that point to the friend of the friend who was speaking to the friend, and I was saying, "Yeah, you're right. I'll let, that's fine. I get that. Yeah, spell it with a C if you want. In fact, a lot of Australians do anyway, so don't worry about it." Yeah, and that's the same goes for all other words, you know. If I spell civilization with an S, yeah, and you want to spell it with a Z, go for it, you know. I don't know even why my computer's got American English and, you know, British English. I don't actually know why it hasn't got Australian, Australian English, uh, by the way. Yeah, but that's a whole other point. Um, so I conceded that point to the friend of the friend, you know. I, in fact, I nigh on concede in the episode that's coming up that uh, we are slightly, being slightly uh, annoying or, you know, ridiculous. Uh, but do you know, after I recorded the episode coming up, some, I, uh, I hadn't even spotted it. And I probably wouldn't have made the episode coming up had I spotted this. Do you know what his name was? The friend of the friend? His name, well, not was, is, his name is Enigma. E-N-I-G-G-M-A. What a ridiculous spelling. That's as ridiculous as uh, insisting on using the word letter S in practice when you're using it as an adjective or a verb, is it not? Why did he add that extra G to the word Enigma? The word enigma, you know, using it with a single G, that that spells it perfectly well, you know. And it's not even his language originally, you know, um, English. Um, uh, you know, he's he's an immigrant, you know, to Australia from a country in um, 
in Ethiopia. Right, so he, he had, you know, on the plane trip over here, he's been listening to rap music, and he has spelt, and he is, he has reworked the word enigma, and spelt it with a double G, a, a ridiculous, pointless double G. Yeah, but it's not Bart, it's me, here's what I'm thinking. Is he doing anything different there than what I do? You know, when I insist on spelling you know, colour with a, an O-U-R rather than o, an O-R, you know, because that just happens to be the way I want to do it. I want to culturally differentiate myself, differentiate myself, you know, actively differentiate myself from Americans, and I'll go so far to do that that I'll insist on spelling colour with an O-U-R and honour as well. Even though even a lot of Australians spell those words with an O-R. Even then, I'll go out of my way to spell colour with an O-U-R. You know, in a very pedantic, almost um, petty, childish way. No, I will not spell colour with an O-R, you know. I'm being ridiculous, I'm hair-splitting. But what's he doing? In, you know, when he's spelling the word enigma with a double G... Well, I say that he is culturally differentiating himself. He doesn't want to be aligned. You know, he's being a rebel as such, a rap rebel. He doesn't want to be aligned with people who spell it in what we would call the normal way. So he has, you know, added a pointless extra G. You know, in the same way, there's a, there's a rapper called The Weekend. That's his name, The Weekend, you know, because you always look forward to The Weekend. You know, maybe that's why he called himself the weekend because we're all looking forward to the weekend. Okay, now now the weekend in an absolutely ridiculous, logically you know logically ridiculous um, way, he took the second e out, and he spells it w e e k n d. You know, like weakened, weakened. Like if you were to say that, that's weakened. I have been weakened by your power. Darth Vader, you know, and this sort of thing. But he still pronounces it weekend, I'm pretty sure, but he stripped the second E out. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh Uh-huh, but but not, because that's his way of saying, I am differentiating myself from European Americans the weekend, because he's from over there somewhere. You know, so he's saying, I want to differentiate. I'm an English speaker, and the, you know, and I'm a rapper. Um, an African-American rapper or African-Canadian. I'm not sure where he's from. And, um, and I want to differentiate myself, differentiate myself from European-Americans. So I, in an absolutely almost childish, ridiculous way, I'm going to take the second E out of weekend and, and start spelling it W-E-E-K-N-D and make my little point. Yeah, make my, my, my two-year-old little point. Yeah. Ooh, I'm so different, you know, I'm a rebel because I spell weekend without the E, you know. <laughs> now, is this not different or is this not the same as the way I say, I am damn well going to spell practice with an S, even though, you know, America is driving social media, for example, and, um, and, and, and they are driving the way we should spell the word practice, for example, or the way we should define the word liberal, for example, you know, all this sort of stuff, you know. Um... Am I being petty for resisting that? 
Well, is he being petty? This guy called The Weekend. And there's another one. Yeah, is he being petty for insisting on just stripping an E out when he's clearly saying eh when he says weekend? He's saying it, but he's not spelling it, you know. You know, in a childish way, he's making his little point, you know, his little cultural point. Just like I am making my childish, childish little cultural point when I say, you know, I like to spell my colour with an O-U-R, you know. Now, I didn't think of that before, you know, when I made, when I made the episode that's coming up. I didn't think of that point. And it was staring in my face. It was staring me in my face because I got a, uh, I got an image of the person's comment. You know, the friend of the friend, and I got that uh, uh, that image from a friend. And there was his name right there, Enigma with two G's. And there's another one called Snoop Dog, with two G's on the end. Dog works perfectly fine, you know, with one G. Yeah, you know? it's like spelling God with two D's. You know. What's the point? You know, are you ma- are you trying to make a petty little point here? <laughs> anyway, so in answer to that the, that genuine inquiry by the friend of the friend that I mentioned earlier, you know, I don't know why he said I D K I D K Y. You know, um, uh, what did he say? Hang on, I'll see if I can find it. If I can't find it in one second, I'll drop it. Uh, oh, here it is. Australians always talk shit about American English, IDK, why that is, but okay. Full stop. You know, that was the comment. That's the genuine inquiry, you know. And, um, you know, and to that, um, you know, um, I would sort of say um, Africans always talk shit about Enigma English, IDK, why that, but okay. You know, I could say that. You know, in re- in reply, you know. Um, so we're even. We, European Australians, are doing nothing that you know culturally that you know rapper African Australians aren't doing. We're all doing the same thing. We're all even. Let's you know let's let each other be. You can. You, you can spell the word enigma with a double G, or dog with a double G, or weekend without a sec- the second E. Go for it, you know, I'll relax. Put posters up everywhere and put those posters up. You know, everything's spelled the wrong way, fine. But let me spell, you know, let me insist. If, you, if you're going to insist on spelling, you know, the word weekend without the second E, well, I'm going to insist on spelling you know, the word honour with an O-U-R and let's everybody not, you know, claim um, that we don't know why that is. Why are you doing that? We do know why it is. We are culturally differentiating ourselves. We are being ourselves. Um, We are creating a unique identity for ourselves. We are being ourselves. So in answer to the question, Australians always talk shit about American English, IDK. That means I don't know why that is, but okay. In answer to that question, well, the answer is, is because people like to have their own cultural identity. That's okay. Everybody, let it be. 
<laughs> Everyone be yourself. <laughs> you know, something like that. Now, I didn't think of that whole line of thinking when I pre-recorded the bit that's coming up. To some extent, I could delete the following. You know, I've, 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 this, this has been my episode. So this is just, this is a 20-minute episode and it's over. You know, but as it turns out, I had a good yak anyway. You know, uh, a yak that I wouldn't have had had I thought of the comments I just thought of. You know, I thought of these last night, actually. Um, uh, but I, it was too late to record it. You know, but um, I would not have had the conversation that's coming up now. But it was a fun conversation anyway. I like to keep my episodes to 20 minutes these days. Um, this episode is finished at 20 minutes now. But, you know, I'll leave the rest of the yakking, yakking, yakking on here. You know, as a kind of epilogue now. And just ignore it if you feel like it. Well, I know that we're not as great as Rome was great at at the height of Rome's power. We're nothing like that in Australia. But this episode uh, does, somewhere along the line, uh, draw some sort of comparison between Australia and Rome, which is very strange. You know, like, if anything, America's more like Rome than we are. Uh, but be that as it may, you know, there might be a similarity, and uh, this episode seeks to um, exploit that, you know, talk about that. But, you know, that doesn't mean... I'm not on social media. That doesn't mean I'm saying we're the new Rome. I'm just saying I've noticed a similarity. Maybe. I'm not even sure that I noticed it. I think I picked it up from someone else. Everything I say is plagiarised. I've never come up with an original idea in my life. And I doubt that I ever will, you know. Uh, to a certain extent, when I do have an original idea, I've really, I've really just joined the dots that someone else has prepared for me. You know, when you're a kid and you draw a picture of a duck or something, or a fish, using uh, dot to dot, you know, and uh, you're a kid, you know, and you follow the dots, you follow the dots and you stand back and, oh, look, I drew it duck and you feel really proud of yourself you know because you've drawn a duck you know, or in my case you know you're an amateur historian uh, and you have had an original idea about history but you know even you can't see the dots that you've joined you most of the time can't even see that someone else has drawn that duck for you and, may, and had you thinking that you've had an original idea and all you've done is parrot something that someone else has said. And, uh, you know, look, uh, I think it's wise to at least be aware that that's happening. Otherwise, you're not much more than a kid drawing a duck using in a dot-to-dot book, you know. But, um, look, having said that, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, Australia. You know, I compare Australia to Rome and not a summer's day. All right. Now, um, so Australia, um, yeah, look, I compare us to Rome in as much as both we and Rome had a thuggish start. And I'm talking about um, colonial Australia here, you know, which I uh, 
sometimes sweepingly called, you know, the nation state of Australia, you know, colonial Australia, which eventually turned into the nation state of Australia. All right. Um, And, you know, we had a somewhat thuggish start, but just as in the same way that we weren't, we are not as great as Rome was, you know, we, we are probably, you know, back then we were not as thuggish as Rome was when Rome started. Yeah, Rome is like everything that everyone else has ever been on except on steroids. <laughs> Rome was the biggest of everything. Um, and I'm not comparing us to... Just because I find a comparison between us and Rome doesn't mean I am saying we are the new Rome... This is a podcast. It's not social media. Let's get on to it. Let's get on with it. Uh, but, you know, the average African-Australian say, look, you know, you're talking, you know, you're splitting hairs here. You're all bastards, you know, and I can, I can understand that. You know, they say, you're, you're no different than American Anglo-Celts, Australian Anglo-Celts, American Anglo-Celts. You're all the same. Why do you even bother trying to protect your own language against, you know, the, in, you know, the influence of American English? Why are you trying to protect Australian English from American English? From where we sit, it's all crap anyway. Who cares if you spell it Greensboro or Greensboro? You know, is what they're saying. And I totally understand where they're coming from. The African Australians there, um, you know, they feel that they are... Yeah, you know, I can imagine this. I bet they feel that their story is very similar to the African-American story, whereas from our perspective, you know, it's very different, you know, because Africans have only been in Australia, you know, other than the odd African here and there, um, for what, 10 years, 15? Not, not much longer, you know, maybe 20 Whereas in in America, they've been there for hundreds of years, you know. So the whole culture is built around Anglo-African relations. But in in Australia here, I didn't even meet an African until I was about 30, I bet, or 40. Never even saw an African in my life. Just a second, there's an aeroplane, I can't hear myself. Um, that's part of European Australia too. Right, now, uh, now let me think about this. So, um, and, and, you know, in modern Australia in 2020, you know, to a certain extent we're trying to bring the two Australias together. Um, but it started out as two different Australias. There was an Indigenous Australia and there was a... Uh, nation state of Australia. Now, just I'm talking about the nation state of Australia only, and we were a bunch of convicts, and and gu- the guards of the convicts, and other people who didn't really want to be here, you know, which includes settlers. Uh, s- now, look, the settlers are free settlers back in 1788, but I'm not sure that they. Yeah, if they had a choice, they would have stayed in England. Surely, you know, it must have, you know, for them to come to a godforsaken place like this, um, you know, things can't have been going swimmingly over there in England. Yeah, surely it was tended to be the second sons that came out here, you know, and that sort of thing, you know. Anyway, um, 
So, uh, what I'm getting at is, by and large, uh, Australia the, uh, was uh, started out as a bunch of people, mainly males, who didn't want to be here. And some really didn't want to be here. Uh, all right. And, and not only that, um, we weren't very high class. You know, we weren't high, we weren't much higher than thugs. And that includes the guards, probably, most of them. Right, so that's our start. Um, you know, and, and how do we feel about that? I could care less, you know, but I find it interesting. And uh, in some senses, if we've carved out a pretty good country, and I'm talking about European Australia here, not Indigenous Australia, if we've carved out a pretty good country with that sort of ignominious start, you know, I take a bit of pride out of it, you know, not a bit of pride, I didn't build it. Um, you know, I sort of think, wow, that's pretty good in a way, you know, because, you know, starting with nothing and then building something really good, that's better than, you know, like once, you know, my family was royalty, you know, back in the 1800s, my family's royalty, and now, you know, I live in a crappy place and I'm nothing. I'll say, oh, gee, well, you've come a long way down and we've come a long way up. You know, that sort of thing. Okay. Um, so, you know, there, there is something to be said for talking down your past and then um, gloating to everybody how far you've come. You know, I'm a self-made country, you know, that sort of thing. You know, like a self-made man, there are plenty of self-made women, if you like, you know, but there are plenty of self-made, you know, people um, who take a lot of pride in the fact that they come, they have come up from nothing. You know, and, and now they're multimillionaires, you know. And there are a lot of other people who are just flat broke, you know, and living like ferals. And, uh, and, and they, you know, they may take a lot of pride from the fact that once we were royals, yeah, you know, it's the kind of opposite thing, you know. Which one, which one is more impressive? You know, look, they're both impressive, aren't they? And there's people like me, you know, who in history, look, we were peasants, and we're and we are peasants still. You know, we have stuck to our castes, our family. I'm very proud of that. You know, salt of the earth. Ah, <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, so there's that. You know, so the Romans were more of that sort of um, like that self-made man. Uh, ethos uh, they were uh, we uh, you know they kind of knew and this is why myths are always based in not always but most of the time seem to be based in some sort of reality the Romans knew that they hadn't always hadn't always been this great they knew the Greeks had had, had been big they knew that you know there was evidence of that everywhere all over the Mediterranean you know little Greek polices polices you know sitting like frogs around a pond, you know, little uh, cities uh, around the Mediterranean and all the way up to, you know, up, up, you know, past Constantinople or Byzantium, yeah. Uh, so um, they knew Greece had been impressive, but they knew they hadn't been. So what did Rome do? They talked their past down, you know, and as Elvis would say, we on down, <laughs> you know, we on down. I can't get that low. Um, even Elvis couldn't, he had someone else singing that. Uh, great song, that one. Yeah. 
Way down like a Way down like a tidal way. Oh, I get carried away. Now, um, so, um, so the Romans, rather than talk their past up, they talked it down. Now, by contrast, I know a little bit about um, Ethiopians recently because someone's been telling me about the Ethiopians and they, you know, like to talk themselves up. And they said, we had a glorious past. You know, pretty crappy present. You know, I think uh, per capita, poorest country in the world. Uh, but they said, we had a glorious past. You know, look, there's a lot of wonderful things about Ethiopia today. It's not all about how much cash you've got. All right, but they say, you know, once we were the... Uh, what is it? Hang on, I know it really well, and I've forgotten it. The um, Empire, Empire, Empire. Uh, Aksumite Empire, that's right. Um, Aksum, yeah. So they say that, and uh, once we were amazing, and now we're crap, you know. Whereas the Romans took the opposite tack, you know, and they'd say once we were crap, and now we are fantastic. You know, that's what the Romans used to say. Um, and Australia is a little bit like that. And I'm talking about European Australia. You know, once we were crap. We were the crappest of the crap. And, um, and now, going pretty well so far. Could be overwhelmed at any point in time. You know, could sell ourselves out to China tomorrow. We don't know how things are going to come out. You know, we don't, think, we don't know how things are going to shake out as a result of this coronavirus and the economic impact of that, for example, anything could happen. But just, just for this moment, uh, I'm looking around and I'm walking in a park and it's fantastic. It's amazing that we've carved this out you know, on Indigenous land, OK? And, uh, and, and, and the morality of, you know, us taking over Indigenous land. That's for another episode. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about European Australia in a bubble. Has it gone well? Well, on a lot of measures, it has gone very well. Okay, so that's that. there's that, you know. Um, and, we're, and we're even trying to do something, or, you know, we're trying, well, we've got this thing called reconciliation. We're, we're trying to sort of say, look, there, there is Indigenous Australia and there's European Australia, and can we make one Australia out of those two things? And, you know, we might get there just in time for European Australia and Indigenous Australia to be overwhelmed by Chinese Australia. <laughs> yeah, we might sell Australia to the Chinese if we're desperate enough. You know, we don't know how things are going to shake out. All right, but there's that. But anyway, look, right at this moment, things are going great in Australia. And uh, we sort of think to ourselves, um, we started out as crap. And we've come a long way. And we take some pride in the fact that... And if we were like the Romans, we would um, accentuate how crap we were and we would make a big deal of that and tell everybody uh, a little bit like... um, And take a lot of pride in that. A little bit like the average self-made millionaire uh, tends to um, talk a lot about how he had no advantages. Usually a male so far but in in years to come hopefully it's more more and more often a female right self-made millionaires do this too it's an old roman trick and it's based in reality you know the the average self-made millionaire or billionaire and i'm not talking about what's her name kylie (laughs) 
<laughs> I can't remember her second name. She's one of the Kardashians. You know, she's she's uh, people say that she is a self-made billionaire, but not that sort of self-made billionaire where your whole family's already multi 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 millionaire and totally famous and the last three generations of your family have been absolute winners and you know captains of industry and all that sort of stuff and you happen to be a self-made billionaire within a billionaire family not that sort of billionaire i'm talking about a um a billionaire who's totally self-made and um and to a certain extent i think this could easily be uh, challenged, but, you know, Australia is a bit like that. I think Rome was very much like that. Rome was very much like that, and to some extent we are a bit like Rome, maybe more like Rome on that front than anyone else. I don't know whether that's true or not, but it's a comment I made at the end of a uh, discussion earlier today with someone. Now, how did the, um, how did the rest of that discussion go? Just give me a second. I'll see if I can find it because that's that comment made. Just a sec. I'll find it. I'm sure I will. Uh, might take me some time. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I found it. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't talking about Rome at all or even Australia, really. I was talking to someone who has connections with Africans in Australia. At the moment now this is a segue into a whole new discussion which ends up back at that discussion i was talking about before but you know uh let's make a break with this episode and sort of press reset and have a prequel all right here we go um we were talking about language oh because some african guy who lives in australia had said that it really doesn't matter how you spell things in english you know, whether you spell honour with an H-O-N-O-R or an H-O-N-O-U-R. It, and he said it really doesn't matter whether you speak American as such. Look, I saw the comment from him and the comment was something like, um, uh, Australians go on and on and on about not being, you know, trying, you know, don't, you're sounding American, don't sound American, you know. And he was saying, so who cares? You're all the same. You know, that's what he, and he said, IDK, I don't know, you know, as in, I don't know what the hell the problem is with Australians that they don't want to be identified as Americans. He said, you're all the same, you know, from, from my perspective, from the perspective of an, Afri- of an African, you're all the same. You know, English, Canadians, Australians, New Zealanders, uh, Americans, you're all the same from our perspective yeah but from our that's him speaking you know the african guy african australian and um and you know whereas obviously you know because he's he's um he's being bemused by it um but we do seem to have a resistance to being um associated with americans you know we don't want to it all came about via the word practice of all things you know um you know i like to practice basketball we spell it with an s and he spells it with a c who cares he said and you know for australians we do care now look some of us say practice with a c too but let's let that go pick another word you know pick an accent you know pick our accent you know we don't want to be saying things like americans say things now is it a big deal or isn't it well to him no 
Okay, now I'll just read the texts and you'll see how we ended up in Rome again. I often end back, I often end up back in Rome. Um, uh, but the, uh, the discussion had gone like that and my, you know, my uh, correspondent had mentioned that this African had been saying, you know, uh, why, why do you make such a big deal about not wanting to be Americans? And to a certain extent, um, he hadn't mentioned this, but we don't want to be English too, you know, or Canadians, you know, we like to be ourselves. And he said, it's all the same, you're all white or something, you know, that's what he was getting at, you know what I mean? Um, you're all Anglo-Celts, you know, something like that. All right. And then I started texting. Now, I'll just read my texts because it's not my job to be reading other people's texts. So uh, you'll be missing the little comments in between. So it won't necessarily follow, but you'll get the gist and that's all that matters. And here we go. And this is about language. After the War of Independence, and that's in America, of course, America started really digging deep, thinking about the sort of spelling they wanted and they wanted it to reflect the new liberal, non-pompous spirit they were creating as their new identity. Now, I'll stop myself right there. Now, by liberal, the, their definition of liberal back then is very different than their definition of liberal in 2020. They had a, a definition of liberal back then that was um, much closer to the definition of liberal that we have in Australia in 2020. You know, our definition of liberal in 2020 is, you know, both our, cons you know, all sides of politics in Australia practically are liberal in, via our definition. You know, it's the, um, look, it's hard to, you could never explain this to, uh, look, liberal really means um, not a divine rule monarchy, you know. And Australia is not a divine rule monarchy, so we're liberal, you know, because we, we knocked off, you know, divine rule. We did, you know. So did England, so did France, so did the whole of Europe at one stage there. Um, French Revolution and all of that, you know. Look, we do have a, um, a monarchy, but it's not a, a, it's not a divine right monarchy, so it's not a monarchy as was understood before the French Revolution. It's a completely different monarchy. Uh, the Queen works for us. She doesn't work for God. Sometimes she, I'm sure, you know, you can watch an old period drama about royalty, you know, Queen Victoria or Queen Elizabeth or whatever, and, you know, they sometimes talk about, you know, God, we are here, you know, for, from, for, uh, as a result of God, but it's not the case, you know. It, it's, they're a constitutional institution. Uh, they derive their power from the people, whatever they say. So don't listen to Queen Elizabeth if she starts talking about the fact that God has given her um, some uh, expectation of being queen over us. It's not true. And she knows it, you know. Um, so, anyway, that aside. Um, uh, so, uh, what was I talking about? Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> I got waylaid by the version. Now, in um, the early days of the United States, yes, they were throwing off a, a divine right style monarchy. Yeah. But... Um, uh, but England was doing that anyway. They, the, England had already had an English revolution. 
uh, before you know the American Revolution came along and they had been engaged in the same process Parliament was rising and taking power off the king so England was doing that anyway but America you know being you know in a new land and all that sort of stuff they did that on steroids all right now after the War of Independence, America started really digging deep, thinking about the sort of spelling they want. I'm just talking about dictionaries here. It's not even about the big picture. Oh. Anyway, um, and they wanted it to reflect the new liberal, non-pompous spirit they were creating as their new identity. So, if they thought a letter was pointless, they simply dumped it. Meanwhile, England, oh, well, there was a restoration and all that sort of stuff. England, you know, had already, you know, they were already in, well into their restoration and all that sort of stuff. And they, you know, they'd patched something up with the Parliament and Parliament was having a bit of a say and the King was having a bit of a say, blah, 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 you know. Anyway, uh, we're just talking about um, how to spell the word honour here with an O-R or an O-H-R. That's really what I'm talking about. It's amazing that I'm even talking about all this other crap. Okay. Meanwhile, England tended to go the other way. Now, what I'm going, getting at there is that, you know, both England and um, the United States of America, and by the way, and by the way, Australia at the same time, were all navel-gazing about, you know, how they wanted their language, each, each of them, you know, how they wanted their own language to reflect their own spirit their own identity and the identities were very different our identity um was you know different than you know we had a uh, we weren't in between america and england uh, we were a, we were a strange cat all of our own uh, but you know by some by some measures we were somewhere in between but we aren't you know we aren't an america america each one of those things is itself but the point is um we aren't the you know, america and australia aren't the children of england you know, england's not the mother i've always i've always um kind of uh um disliked the idea that we are a child identity and that England is the parent identity uh, because, you know, the day that the first settlers came here and the first convicts and all that sort of stuff, they were, you know, the, our culture here was just an offshoot. You know, it's an offshoot, not a child. Um, it was a cutting, as in a vine. You know, like if you've got an old vine, um, and I've used this before in my previous podcast, this analogy, but the oldest Shiraz vine in the world was, you know, in Shiraz land in France. Uh, you know, and I mentioned that before. I thought it was in um, Turkey, actually, for quite a few years, and then someone told me it was in France, but it doesn't matter. Um, and um, the oldest vine in the world, which, you know, is analog analogous to a, a very old culture, um, was in Shir in Shiraz land, <laughs> Syrah. Yeah, I don't know where it was. Yeah, and um, a region in France, I believe. And then they, someone took a cutting of it and brought it here to Australia. Now that cutting is, and, and that was planted, and it became a vine too. That vine that grew was old as well. You know, by my book, because it was from the oldest vine. You know, it already had all the what are they tannins and character and everything of the other Shiraz vine. 
Um, I don't even know if that's true, but um, but I like it to be true. And I think it's true of we Australians. When we got here, we were already a very old culture. Um, the Magna Carta, all the laws that we were following, on the very first day that we were here, reached back to the Magna Carta and you know, all the parliament and all that sort of stuff, you know. Thousands of years of evolution um, were all built in. And this was after 24 hours. In fact, it was five minutes after we'd stepped foot here in Australia. We were already a very old culture and we created a, a culture on top of that. And in the, in the meantime, England over there, they started off with the same culture. So we're even at that point in time, even. And... Um, and and started to build an English culture from then, you know. Australia built an Australian culture from the same egg that England was building its culture, but ours had its own character, and the United States did the same thing. We're talking three different cultures here, and uh, they're all ancient. Okay, let's get back to my text. Um, so, if the Americans, I'm back to the dictionary now, where the Americans are, um, the Americans are uh, creating a dictionary. You know, this episode is like two different episodes in one somehow. <laughs> it's a bit of a history thing. And I don't even know if I'm right about the history entirely. You know, an episode like this can't be comprehensive. It's just a hint of history, you know. Every single comment I'm making in this podcast could be debated for years by proper historians. I'm an amateur. I'm making, you know, vast sweeping statements and, you know, just take it for what it is. But I'm talking about just language, you know, and whether the word colour should be spelt with an O-R or an O-U-R. You know, I think the Americans actually investigated the word colour, you know, quite with... with uh, and the word honour and all that. And, you know, they figured some of these words, I think, had come from... Yeah, they had. They had come from France. And the French were spelling them with an O-R. So it's the English who switched the, yeah, to C-O-L-O-U-R, arguably. I don't know where O-U-R came from. Maybe the French... Maybe the English were trying to sound pompous. The aristocracy, and they were the couleur, you know? The couleur of my, my uh, crown is purple, you know. Um, they could have been doing something like that. You know? So arguably, the, the Americans had the spelling of colour more correct than the English did. It doesn't matter who's right and who's wrong. The point is, three branches of English started to evolve. One in England, one in America, and one in Australia. And, um, and neither of them was the child of any of the other. They all started off with the same thing. Um, they all started off with English and they all evolved from there. Okay, so I'm talking about the Americans only. So if they thought a letter was pointless, they simply dumped it. Where meanwhile, England tended to go the other way. I'll finish this later. Yes. I did have to attend to something. But that is my cue to wrap this episode up. Uh, so we'll call the interruption a good thing. Now, um, so I'll finish reading out the text messages that I mentioned earlier that led to that comment about Australia being something like Rome. In as much as we, start, we, like Rome, started out as a bunch of thugs who didn't want to be here 
You know, and I do find that very interesting, by the way, the fact that we didn't want to be here. You know, I've made whole episodes about that in my previous podcasts. It was a funny situation we had in Australia. The, you know, the Indigenous people don't, didn't want us to be here. And we didn't want to be here either. Nobody wanted to be here. And, you know, the Indigenous people were saying, you know, stop taking our land, you bastards. You know, and the English were trying to say, we don't even want to be here. And so we're not just going to say yes, you know. We're hating it as much as you, and, and, and we're a bunch of thugs anyway, and half of us are convicts, and you're trying to tell us to be nice. You know, we're a bunch of thugs. You're asking the wrong blokes. You know? Um, you know, uh, so, what, you're asking us to be, what, sophist- you know, are you asking us to be 2020? Are you asking us to be 21st century, you know, compassionate types? We're thugs. Like the ancient Romans were thugs. Uh, did you hear about what they did? You know, that's what the Australians could have said, the early Australians. You want us to, you want us to play nice? The original Romans, you know, in their mythological past, and, and that mythological past matters uh, because, you know, they had no women. You know, it's, they were, you know, and a little bit like us, you know, because when Australians first came here, there were very few females. Um, now, um, what the Romans did back in the olden days, you know, their mythological past, which is based in fact, or myths, most myths are based in fact, they invited another mob over. Now, all these thugs and ferals, they invited a mob, another group uh, of people, uh, the Sabians or Sabians or something, I can't remember what their name was. Um, Sabians, yeah. And, um, and when they got there, they got all the men drunk and raped the women, uh, stole the women. And those women that they stole and raped and all that sort of stuff, kidnapped, uh, became the, you know, the early mothers of Rome. And the early fathers of Rome were all rapists and thugs. And the Romans throughout their history were proud of this because it gave them a chance to say we were thugs and we made something of ourselves. It's unbelievable. But if you had an analogy to that, look, we did some bad things to the Aborigines, but if we had been as bad as the Romans, we would have invited all the Aborigines, the Indigenous peoples, for a feast, and we would have got all the uh, Aborigines drunk and then raped all the women. Oh, my goodness. Maybe we did do that. (laughs) It's not funny, you know? But history's worth reading for these um, parallels, you know. Um, It's not about um, remembering yourself as being noble. In the case of the Australians, it's about remembering yourself as a bunch of thugs, convicts, and so on. But, you know, that does tend to, um, you know, uh, it gives a bit of context, you know. Yeah, I know we're all beautiful now, but we weren't then. And look, maybe that's a good reason for us to apologise to the Indigenous people for what the, our thug ancestors did. Uh, look, the point is they didn't want to be here, so it was hard to ask them to be nice. They hated every minute of being here, most of them, um, especially after the second fleet got here because that was a disaster and everyone was starving anyway. Um, the second fleet was a disaster and, and the colony itself was in very bad shape. I think they had a drought straight away or something like that. Yeah, the first fleet, everything seemed to be going all right. Although it wasn't pretty, you'd still get flogged on any other day if you were a convict, for example. Um, nobody wanted to be there. But after the second fleet, it was just hell on earth being a European in Australia. And 
Ah, and it was a horrible existence. And, you know, these days one, one, you know, one gets to thinking, why weren't they nicer to the Aborigines? You know what I mean? Well, because they were hating it and they didn't give a shit about the Aborigines. They, they were having too horrible a life themselves you know and especially you know when napoleon's time came along you know like the english who were here in australia you know in one day i don't know what the stats are but in one day the english you know because we were the english still at that point in time we were losing twenty thousand soldiers in a day at waterloo at waterloo for example and then people say oh there was a massacre at such and such creek you know what i mean and 23 or 25 or 40 you know however many indigenous people have been killed can you imagine go back going back in time and um trying to you know and saying hey you bastards you just killed 40 or 30 indigenous people and you know you might be bashed by these thugs back then because they might say are you aware that Waterloo happened yesterday. The Battle of Waterloo happened yesterday and 20,000 of us got killed. And you want us to, you know, you want us to... um, Listen, are you talking, you know, that massacre? Hey, we pulled them all in and we've hung a few of them. You know, we know it was murder. We hung a few of them, you know, um... So it wasn't exactly as if we agreed with that massacre. Sometimes we do. Look, we're not very nice people, we agree. But it's hard to feel, you know, don't ask us to be 21st century compassionate when all of us, pretty much, have lost a cousin or an uncle, you know, or a brother over there in, uh, in the Battle of Waterloo, back, you know, in Europe. You know, don't ask us. And you're asking us to think like a 21st century compassionate... Um, you know, on social media or something, who's, you know, retrospectively, chauvinistically trying to say how we should have acted back in 1778 or 1812 or whatever, you know. Anyway, all that point is, back then we were horrible people, there's no excuse, um, blah, blah, blah. All right, so on with the text. Oh, yeah, that's what I was going to do, wasn't it? And uh, here I go now. I'll just finish reading the text and I'll, I'll finish the commentary. I'll stop the commentary now, if I can find the texts. Okay, oh yes, we were just talking, we were talking about language only, weren't we? Yeah. How do I get so much out of, you know, a discussion about dictionaries? Yeah. Um, after the War of Independence, that's right. Meanwhile, England tended to go the other way. Yeah. Um, so, if Americans thought a letter was pointless, so I presume the letter U in colour... You know, they simply dumped it, you know, because, you know, that was their new stripped-down, no-nonsense, almost Roman, um, you know, uh, minimalist kind of, we don't muck around, we straight to the point, colour, C-O-L-O-R, you know. And meanwhile, the English were saying, oh, you know, I think we should spell it colour, you know, to make us sound a little bit classier like the French, you know. Meanwhile, the French themselves were, only, were spelling it with T-O-L-O-R, but I think they were pronouncing it couleur, you know. <laughs> it gets very confusing. Um, so, and I mentioned this. So now we have a suburb called Greensboro in, in, in Melbourne, and it's G-R-E-E-N-S-B-O-R-O-U-G-H. Whereas in America, they have a pretty famous place called Greensboro. G R E E N S B O R O, which looks really odd to me. Yeah, whereas Greensboro with an O U G H would look very odd 
to an American from Greensboro over there who spells it with an O-R-O. You know, looks like it hasn't got its clothes on to me. Uh, right. America has an economical, no-nonsense approach to language. Yeah, that's my... Everything I say is not necessarily fact. It's my take on things, you know. Ask a real historian or linguist or whatever if you want the real deal. You're just hearing my texts here. I am not a historian. I am not a linguist. I am nothing. I am Charlie. I am not even Charlie. It's a fake name. Um, and I, I said, you know, for example, the English love nonsense. This permeates each of the cultures. For example, the two different styles of comedy are polar opposites. Yeah, that's my take. Um, American comedy is Tishboom direct. Tishboom direct, I said, you know, Tishboom. Um, with, uh, with canned laughter, you know, bang. The comedians even wait with a grin on their faces for the laughter from the audience. And the English, well, their favourite style of comedy is when a joke is completely missed by most. And the English, they love nonsense, absurdity, irony. The Americans, well, they are all, you know, Seinfeld, stand up. What is the deal with trains? I mean, the door opens, you know, you hop in, you stare at someone's back for an hour, you hop out. What is the deal with that? You know, and that's American comedy. Look, none of this is an, ab- I'm not making absolute commentary here. You know, there's a lot of sophisticated American comedy too. I know that. And there's a lot of, you know, and I do remember all that English comedy that was, um, what's up? Oh, I can't remember. You know that uh, there was a, uh, there was a whole type of comedy, uh, in England. I, I couldn't stand actually, you know, that Betty Hill stuff. Right. Now, the reason for this is that language and culture are connected. This is my text. Um, language and even thinking is connected. Um, so if we start to talk like Americans, or the English for that matter, we start to lose Australia. Uh, but a non-Anglo like your African friend, I'm talking to my um, correspondent again now, because we've got an African-Australian involved in this uh, episode, you know, who is saying, so what, you know? Yeah, don't, don't try and, um, you know... Why are you trying to protect Australian Anglo culture from American influences? You're all the same crap. You know, there's no difference. That's what he's saying. And he's right from his perspective, but I'll get to that. But a non-Anglo, like your friend, is not part of this fight, I argue here. So if we start to talk like Americans, or the English, for that matter, we start to lose Australia. And then I go on to say, but a non-Anglo like, you know, your African friend, is not part of this fight. You, you can let him be, is my suggestion. He is an alien to this level of our culture. It predates him. You know, Australia, and she mentioned, you know, was Australia formed after the War of Independence? And I made the comment, it was formed because of the War of Independence. You know, England reluctantly came to Australia. You know, we, England was forced to come to Australia, really. Um, England didn't even want to come to Australia. They had 18 years after Captain Cook and it was just sitting here and they ignored it. Then they got kicked out of America. And they were frightened by France too. It's amazing England even survived that whole era. 
They came here reluctantly to set up crappy prisons, you know, penal colonies. And then, of course, sent settlers to try and turn those into something viable, maybe. But it wasn't, a, wasn't grand empire building by a colonial power as such. You know, I'm thinking the scramble for Africa. Um, when you're talking Australia, it was shitty little penal colonies. Uh, but the reluctant immigrants started to carve out uh, started to carve something out of the crap. Macquarie, probably the greatest visionary. I mentioned him on purpose there because I knew I was about to talk about the Macquarie Dictionary, which is my favourite dictionary, which is sitting on my desk. Um, and we started to develop our own dictionary in parallel to England, you know, developing their own dictionary or, you know, continuing to develop develop this and America creating or developing theirs you know all three dictionaries the modern English dictionary and the modern Australian dictionary and the modern American dictionary all come from the same language um, but you know I wouldn't call I wouldn't say one outranks the other you know the English the you know, modern England doesn't have the king of all dictionaries our, our dictionary is just as valid as England's dictionary and so is America's you know we're not children of England, we're separate entities like that vine. Okay. In fact, we didn't even start with a dictionary from England to get ours started. When we started to develop our Macquarie dictionary, we started with an American dictionary and altered that. But it didn't matter what we started with, we were intent on reviewing every word anyway. It's a huge story, I suggest in my text here. Too much to text. But I can, and here's my... Here, look, I, I was being very friendly to my friend's African friend here. But I can totally understand an African coming to Australia in the 21st century saying, so what? With respect to the three different dictionaries, you know. To all of this, Africans are very new to the idea of Australia. Uh, and I suggest something here, which popped out of my head. Uh, the only way they can connect to Anglo-Celts here in Australia is via Africans who do have a more shared history with Africans, namely white Americans, not white Australians. So it's quite understandable if they need to think we and Americans are the same. You know, so they, they pretty much get onto social media, is what I'm getting at, and they talk to African-Americans in order to understand um, Anglo-Celtic Australians. You know, so they ask African-Americans, how do you relate to these guys, you know? And African-Americans say, well, we've been living with them for hundreds of years and we'll tell you what they're all like, you know? And the African-Australians say, oh, wow, they're absolute bastards, you know? Those uh, American Anglo-Celts. Um, all right, now we understand Australian Anglo-Celts. Um, but, you know, we Australian Anglo-Celts say, ah, you're talking two different species there, really. You know, two different subspecies. Uh, but, uh, you know, the average African-Australian say, look, you know, you're talking, you know, you know, you're splitting hairs here. You're all bastards, you know. And I can, I can understand that. You know, they say, you're, uh, you're no different than American Anglo-Celts, Australian Anglo-Celts, American Anglo-Celts. You're all the same. Why do you even bother trying to protect your own language against, you know, the, in, you know, the influence of American English? Why are you trying to protect Australian English from American English? From where we sit, it's all crap anyway. Who cares if you spell it Greensboro or Greensboro? 
you know, is what they're saying. And I totally understand where they're coming from, the African-Australians there. Um, you know, they feel that they are... And, you know, I can imagine this, I bet they feel that their story is very similar to the African-American story, whereas from our perspective, you know, it's very different, you know, because Africans have only been in Australia, you know, other than the odd African here and there, um, for what, 10 years, 15? Not, not much longer, you know, maybe 20? You know? Whereas in, in, in America, they've been there for hundreds of years, you know, so the whole culture is built around Anglo-African um, relations, but in in Australia here, I didn't even meet an African until I was about thirty, I bet, or forty. Never even saw an African in my life. Didn't know any, of course, you know. All right. Anyway, um, now, so it's quite understandable, I suggest, if they need to think we and Americans are the same, you know, if. Otherwise, they can't comprehend us. You know? Now, I think it's a lazy way of understanding Australians and our um, thoughts towards Africans. Look, there are similarities. We've got racism too. Of course we have. You know, we shared a lot of that with America, but the point is our experience with Africans are different. But it's splitting hairs as far as an African is concerned, and it really doesn't matter. Australian culture and American culture, the same thing as far as an African-Australian is concerned, I think. But it's not the same thing as far as we're concerned. But do we have to actually even have this argument with African-Australians? Let them have think what they want, and we'll think what we want. It doesn't matter anyway, because the Chinese are going to take over all of us. <laughs> That's probably true, actually. All right. In doing so, African-Australians attempt to paint Aborigines as Africans, so to speak, as far as their, you know... This is an extra point I made, which is just a side point. Um, In doing so, African-Australians attempt to paint Aborigines as Africans in terms of their experience, you know, with Anglo-Celts, and then get even more lost, is what I suggest. Um... Okay, so that's that. And she started to talk about slavery, and I said, yeah, the early Americans in the North had slaves too. I just mentioned that. Um, and it wasn't the American Independence War. It wasn't the American War of Independence that was over that. That was more the Civil War, you know, that started out of that. Not the War of Independence. The War of Independence was over the taxes England was taking back to England. You know, it was a straight white versus white thing. Africans irrelevant. It was about money, I suggested. All right, we're getting onto side issues here. Um, Then she said, um, slavery was already abolished in England before Australia started, and to a certain extent, that's true. Look, I've texted here, uh, you know, it's a a fine line, you know. It was on the nose is a better way to put it. But English people in power and business were still making a lot of money in the slave trade right up to Tedros's time. I'm talking about an African ruler there that I know a fair bit about only because of my contact with this person, um, uh, in, you know, an emperor of Ethiopia. You know? So English people in power and business were still making a lot of money in the slave trade, you know, even after slavery was technically abolished in England. Um, uh, but so were plenty of Africans in power too. You know, they were because Ethiopians, for example, they didn't give up slavery until what 1940s, and only when they were forced to by Europeans. Yeah. Um, but on mainland England and the and in the English colonies, yes, it became illegal to keep slaves, and I think that's true. Such that when Australia started, it was illegal. You know, I think that's true. We have never had slavery. But, of course, for a long while, plenty of bastard settlers got around that law as best they could, 
hence indentured labour. The Pacific Islanders up in Queensland and Aborigines in the centre. They were not slaves, they weren't owned, but they were stitched up so well via nasty means that it would have felt not much different. But successive governments gradually wiped that out as much as they could. I should have added, and as much as they wanted to. Um, We didn't need a civil war to do that here. Well, we just needed to grind all that crap out of business, and we are still trying to do that. It's a slow process. And then I finished off where I started with this episode. We are like Rome, you know, more like Rome than anyone else is like Rome in some ways. We started as utter crap, and we are carving something out of that end of episode.